Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Hello, my name is Hannah Huffman. I am a museum professional. Uh, Right now I'm a Fulbright Fellow uh, and I'm living in Reykjavik, Iceland for nine months um, working on museums in Iceland. Uh, Before that, I was the membership and marketing coordinator at AASLH, the American Association for State and Local History in Nashville, Tennessee. And before that, I was doing my master's in uh, medieval Icelandic philology and literature. And you also host the podcast Museums in Strange Places. Yes, I'm also the host of Museums in Strange Places podcast. That maybe should have been first. But uh, <laughs> so and that's my this uh, this podcast is my Fulbright project. As I was um, proposing this this Fulbright project, I started to do some research on Icelandic museums, and I learned that there are a hundred and over about one hundred and sixty five museums in Iceland, which for a population of three hundred and about three hundred thirty five thousand is staggering. So the the museum to person <laughs> uh, po- ratio is like really high, like way more museums per capita than the UK. And then even way more than the U.S. And the U.S. has 35,000 museums. So um, I was kind of interested in that number and why there are so many museums, even in like remote areas. And so I decided to kind of propose a project where I would interview these museum professionals and kind of pull out um, kind of what what makes this um, museums in Iceland unique. And And then I thought, well, I might as well just record the the interviews. And then it kind of occurred to me that a podcast would be a much better way to do this. And I kind of started out thinking that I'd, it'd be more like interviews about like the running of museums and um, the tourist boom and how do you deal with um, so many tourists in Iceland versus so few locals. Um, but then within one or two episodes, I kind of realized that that was like a one episode question. And I, I kind of started uh, getting these stories um, out of people who just told me about the, the museum. And there's all these great stories behind it and um, very like locally based histories. And so I kind of just abandoned all else and just decided to dive into each museum and get to know it and um, kind of paint this audio uh, picture, if you will, of, of each space. Having lived here, um, I am privy to like, or, like, every time I talk to people, like, uh, they are always telling me there's like, you know, five myths or, or, or facts about Iceland that everyone knows. They have a penis museum, <laughs> one in 10 people publish a book. Um, it's all, they're all descendants of Vikings and they can all read old Norse and like see things. And some of them are true. Some of them are not some are exaggerations. And so, um, and of course, no one I knew had been to Iceland, even though like tons of people had, had gone to museums. And so I wanted to also paint uh, a more authentic and intimate picture of this country that I've really come to love and and get to know and uh, help people to experience a more more than this kind of uh, legendary picture that they kind of walk away from the gift shop with. Can you describe the tourist boom and how it happened and how it's affecting Iceland? Well, so Iceland has, um, I think, I forget the exact numbers, but basically um, as recently as like five to 10, you know, five years ago, they're getting, you know, a few hundred thousand tourists a year. Um, and last year they got 1.5 or 1.7 million. And then this year they're expected to have reached 2 million tourists in the country. And so, um, again, that's 330,000 people and 2 million tourists. And 
a huge percentage of them are from the US and the UK. And it's about evenly in terms of the numbers coming. I think as that boom kind of went in place, you had Wow Air. So before, the really the only way to get from the U.S. to, to Iceland was uh, Iceland Air. And they were known for their Iceland stopover. So you could easily book like a stopover in Iceland on your way out. Wow Air kind of came into the picture. So they were like one of those European budget airlines. They're based in, uh, in uh, Iceland. And in 2015, they started offering uh, super, super, super cheap flights to the U S, um, to the East coast. And now they're in the West. They even fly like somewhere in the Midwest too. And they have like promos every year where you can get like, if you're really sneaky, like as low as like a hundred dollars round trip to Iceland. So prices have dropped from being, you know, like when I first came in 2013, we scored a deal and got, you know, $500 round trip. And now like (laughs) I can get home for, uh, 250, 300 if I'm, if I'm clever. Um, but I, so I'm not an expert in, in the tourist thing here and I don't know exactly what the, everything is behind it, but my kind of understanding of that is that it kind of all, um, started propelling each other. So more information about Iceland, you know, kind of, it's very photogenic. So people come and take photos, they go home, there's cheap flights, they tell their friends, everyone knows someone who's been to Iceland. And then, you know, as the country has gotten, the people here are really smart about marketing themselves. Um, and so there's been a lot of capitalization on that. Uh, tourism is one of Iceland's biggest industries. So tourism has helped Iceland recover from the 2008 uh, crash. And it's it's one of the reasons that it's become such an affluent uh, country. So what does the increased tourism mean for museums? Yeah, so I actually don't think museums here are a big draw for tourists. Even the biggest museum here has about you know, it's it, it's a it's a modest size by by, by U.S. standards. Um, so I think people do attend the museums when they come. Of course, uh, you know, when I've talked to people in the U.S. who've been, or I even went downtown and tried to talk to a bunch of tourists and ask them what they thought about museums in Iceland and where they've been, and people who would say that they were museum people and that they do go to museums when they travel had not been to museums here. Uh, that said, there's enough tourists that um, m- uh, many museums, particularly in Reykjavik, of course, it all depends on where. So museums that are in the tourist areas are getting plenty of visitors. There's a, um, a settlement exhibition is right downtown. It's under a hotel. It is in the heart of the tourist area. And they are having a problem because they're too small to handle. Even though it's, it was a world-class museum, but it's very small. Uh, space and they're having trouble handling so many people coming in and it's almost completely tourists um, just because the nature of the museum is it's an archaeological find it's a lot of locals have according to what I've heard kind of said you know been there done that in terms of the question of do they want to attract tourists or locals I think every museum wants both (laughs) Um, well not every museum wants every museum wants to attract tourists the ones that I've talked to most especially the big museums are are very aware of the issue and are very aware of the balance that's needed between attracting tourists and uh, serving the local populations. And sometimes the programs, what serves them overlaps. Uh, in talking to Gudbrandur Benediktsson, uh, who's the director of the Reykjavik City Museum System. So it's like the largest museum group in, um, in Iceland. And he kind of was saying, look, people want something authentic. People want something um, interesting and genuine. And the tourists also want to experience something that they think the locals would enjoy. So in that, in that way, the experience kind of overlaps and you can, um, you know, attract for both. And then, of course, there's certain museums that are definitely catering to tourists. Uh, 
you can usually tell by sometimes by the price tag, you know, there's certain museums that are really expensive to get into. Not that I, you know, other museums, most museums are expensive, but, um, uh, there's certain ones that are clearly, you know, like the puffin exhibition or the, this exhibition that pop up somewhere and they're kind of trying to pull people in. Although I found that they're still pretty high quality and there will be locals that attend, um, even if they were created to kind of harness some of that, um, tourism. So it's, it's a big mix. And I, I'm still kind of exploring this question. I, I ask everyone, even though I don't put it in each episode, um, but it really depends on, on, on access and location, I think. And then also, um, you know, some of the older museums have an established base as well. So, yeah. In, in your words, I'd like to hear about, about why you think that podcasting is, is the appropriate medium for your Fulbright project. Yeah. So I, I think podcasting is a really, um, intimate medium. Uh, so it's, it's possible to get really close to your subjects, not in terms of like, but just like, like, you know, physically close and, and, uh, kind of, you can talk quietly and, and enjoy just being in a space. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things about Iceland is if you go on Pinterest and type in Iceland and you look up Icelandic pictures, you will see these amazing photos. It is a, uh, a magnet for photographers and they come and they take these spectacular pictures of the aurora borealis and the nature and anyway so that's yeah so i think in terms of the why podcasting it's this kind of ability to capture iceland from an angle that i don't think is very common um audio because it, it's such a photogenic country uh that people are always video is is all and and photos are always kind of like this primary medium here and then also to capture this kind of ability of Icelanders to tell wonderful stories. And, you know, most Icelanders speak really great English. So it's a really, it was just a really, it's very easy to talk and have these conversations and introduce the world to Icelanders in this medium. I really love what you're doing to interrogate a single country uh, through the lens of museums. It works, I think, to have such a specific focus. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel too narrow, which uh, I'll be honest was, was a little bit of uh, my kind of initial thought when I first heard about your podcast. But this is um, what I'm, you know, why I'm kind of left it open in terms of what I'm talking about is that I think the kind of the, the landscape in a sense constrains the, keep, gives the, the podcast its boundaries and its framework and within that, it allows me to explore very different, you know, I don't have to ask the same questions or have the same approach in each episode. I can kind of do whatever I want when I'm there, or do whatever feels right or whatever comes up in the conversation, you know, and in a, in one episode, I'm going to talk more about like museum operations. And then at another time, I'm going to this uh, Snorrastova, in the episode where I go to the Snorrastova and the woman just, who's there, Sigrid, she just wanted to tell stories about Snorri this uh, medieval writer. And I was like, sure, you know, that's more interesting. So let's just tell stories uh, about this guy, like who had this crazy life. And so, and we actually talked for a long time about her family history too, which I might release as a bonus episode because it's just so interesting. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's provided a, a, a kind of a, a nice framework to be cre- to be very open within. Museums in Strange Places is an excellent podcast. This year, it is a deep dive into Icelandic museums, but next year, Hannah might investigate the museums in a completely different country. For now, here's Hannah's advice to get started. So I recommend that people listen first to episode three, A Writer's Home. It's a 
visit to the the home of of Nobel winning Icelandic novelist Haldor Laxness, and his home is just it's a wonderful place. It's it's a beautiful home, but what they've done with it is really interesting, and I. I think I really managed to capture the kind of the feeling of walking to this house and exploring. Um, so I recommend people start with that one. This has been Museum Archipelago. We hope you enjoyed your visit. For more information or to submit feedback, go to museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend. <laughs>